Like, we don't want you to say anything. <laughs> just nothing. No lines. Great don't point. learn anything. Just be here. Just have boobs in your face. Can you do that? Just you show up every that? day and wait for the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1987. Do you know where Freddy is? No waking up from this nightmare. No! A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 3, Dream Warriors, rated R. Now showing at a theater near you. Get together, have a few laughs. Masters of the Universe! <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. To the wild, wild west. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where we, uh, just me and myself, I, I am one of your co-hosts. I am the rental king, Ron Avis, and uh, I, I occasionally indulge in spirits, and it... Oh, spirits? Oh, speaking of spirits, spirits. it's it's, it's October, man. And Spooky. there's nothing I love more than talking about scary movies with my co-host from the north. That'd be me. Adam That's Peterson. your cue, man. <laughs> I know some things. You know some things. I know things. some things, and I'll share some things. You keep me folks. in check. And, uh, you I know, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, we, we got back to it with the uh, Bill and Ted episode, and that, that was great fun. Uh, but... What we're going to do now is, since it's we rolled into October, I thought, why not do a series of episodes? German films. Nothing but German films. German. Oktoberfest. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome to Oktoberfest. We're just going to watch Beer Fest for four straight weeks. We are the weeks. Cinemasters. We're going we're gonna to do a four-part episode on the movie Beer Fest. <laughs> we are really going to break that one down, folks. Really break it down. I'm not kidding. I would be completely up for that because i think we could get four episodes out of that movie it's so fantastic i love i love those guys broken lizard hell they're yeah they're fantastic oh they're the shit uh but aside from that uh, i you know october you got scary movie season let's 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 talk about some scary movies and uh in keeping with our well not in keeping with but in the spirit of uh, our new format where we're just going to get laser focused we're just going to focus laserly on one topic one movie and just really kind of get into it because i like doing the you know our 5 favorite our 10 favorite those types of things those are a lot of fun uh but oftentimes what happens is I'll just blow by movies that I just really want to talk about a lot, but you can't because you feel like, oh, I can't put a 10-hour episode out on the internet. <laughs> this is not a good idea. It's not good for listeners. We're, we're, op- we're awfully presumptuous that they would give us that much time. I mean, ordinarily. People, people love to listen to me for 10 hours at a time, usually in chunks, just one 10-hour chunk, and then like, all right, I'll see you in like four months. <laughs> then we're good for four months. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, like, let's just br- let's break it down. Let's talk about a single movie, and 
what what we kind of came up with is we'll pick four movies in the month of October. We'll do one a week and we'll each pick two movies and we'll alternate. And what I'd like to do is, I don't know if you've, I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I don't know if you've had time to think about what you want your movie to be, but I would like you, hopefully by the end of this episode, you can share, you can reveal what the movie will be. And for those people who are listening to the show and they want to watch the movie and get prepared and watch it get with ready us, for it. Get yeah, ready they can, for it. They can just, you know, they can be part of this too. Uh, it, one, of, one of my favorite podcasts, How Did This Get Made? They, they do that. You know, they'll put an episode out and then the following week they'll have like this little mini episode where they, you know, Paul Shear can interact with his fans and they'll announce the, the next movie. So you can watch the movie and be in, you know, be a part of the fun when they, when they you actually You can be in it on it. You can, you can be, be it's in like on you're it. part of the family. You, t- you can be an honorary cinemaster of the universe. And, it's like uh, the Olive Garden of movies. Yeah. Because when you're, you're here you're with here, us, you're, you're family. Yeah, you're retarded. I mean, family. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, I'm not supposed to say that. Uh, I'm not supposed to say that. I apologize. Uh, you're, <laughs> there's not, I can't back that up because I'm, I'm, I made an end-of-the-year New Year's resolution not to do that much editing. So Yeah, uh, we're not listener, editing. You're it's welcome. completely edit-free. You just get to hear all of our slip-ups and just discover how non-woke we are. We're just There sleeping. will not be a blooper reel, folks. No. We're not going to even bother with that. You're reel. listening to it. We're li- <laughs> live and uncut. Just My like life my is a blooper reel. Yeah, right? <laughs> but uh, I, I hate. I don't want to just, you know, I'm sure if you've seen the title of the episode, you know what movie we're beginning with. But uh, I wanted to get things started with A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Adam. Yes. I know that you went on a, a Nightmare on Elm Street binge-a-thon. Uh, well, was- yeah. Because <clears throat> um, in you know, in keeping with tradition, uh, you said, hey, here's the movie we're going to watch. So what I did is I watched that movie, and then I watched all of the rest of the movies. Because <laughs> I figured that would probably, would probably work out the best. I like it, though, because you're going you're gonna to be able to offer up some, some context- of where this movie lies within the timeline of the original six Nightmare on Elm Street movies. We don't have to, yeah, you know, well, or uh, seven, I guess. I don't know. I guess you can consider New Nightmare. Like I, I probably seven. won't. I, I won't make too many references to uh, um, the remake from 2010 because it's a uh, it's a piece of shit. It's not good. So <laughs> it's absolutely uh, forgettable. So that one probably won't make. I won't make too many references to that. One, so we're safe there. That so was a no real needs- big disappointment because it seemed like around you know in the early 2010s, late 2000s, there were a ton of reboot attempted reboots of yes. all the classic uh, slasher movies from yeah, the 80s. Yeah, Jason and, one. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're never good. With the exception of they finally got one right uh, recently with Halloween. That was Halloween e- really hit well. It was yeah. excellent. They finally got it right. But even then, they rebooted that a handful of times, it seems like. Yeah, the, the Rob Zombie remake was, the first one was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that one. The second one I thought was crap. I missed that. <clears throat> I, I enjoyed the Rob Zomb- the first Rob Zombie movie pretty well. I kind of liked where he was going. Even though I'm not a humongous fan of Rob Zombie's uh, movie-making style, like it, 
it's it's just it's a little too disturbing for me honestly he's only he's kind of i mean like he's a talented enough guy and if you're rob zombie fan you i mean you totally no yeah i don't i don't mean to disparage rob zombie and his followers he's he's really i mean like if you're if you're really gonna look at it you're gonna be objective you know yeah he's got i mean he's got like one note i mean it's like okay i mean because house of a dirty horror yeah style yeah that was a remake of uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre with a Rob Zombie twist. You know, he did the... I never watched The Devil's Rejects, but I always kind of envisioned it was like Hills Have Eyes kind of... Yeah. That's the like, one that I haven't seen that I would... I'm I'm very tempted to check out. Everybody says it, who's seen stuff, they say it's really great. I'm like, all right, I'll probably... I mean, I've watched... Uh, who I mean, I watched all nine of these movies, so it's like, mm. I can't I can't make the case like, I don't have time for that. It's like, I watched nine <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movies in 48 hours. But but you did what I thought about doing a, l- a little bit. I like well not maybe not all the movies, but I thought I I kind of want to watch four after watching three because you know I wanted to, I I wanted I've seen all these movies like a long time ago, and yeah. some of them I haven't seen since their original run or you know or their their subsequent cable releases when they you know yeah. played a lot on on HBO. It's been or a while. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute since I've seen a lot of these movies. And A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which for my money is the funnest of the sequels. Um and it and it really is when Freddy Krueger, like this is when like the cult of Freddy really begins for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is when he really hits the the dad puns. He's starting to hit them. Uh he he's starting to use his his signature bitch uh, yes. Quite a bit. Uh, I, I've seen the original Nightmare on Elm Street somewhat recently. It it's just more scary. It's frightening, and there's there's no. I don't feel like there's any type of tongue in cheek type. You know, like what what they ended up going for from three and beyond. They they get really crazy by the time you get to six. Like he kills somebody with like a, uh, you know, a Nintendo or something with the joystick. Yes. He kills somebody. Breck and Meyer actually. Yeah, Breckenmeyer. he kills Breckenmeyer, and then he turns to the <clears> screen, <throat> if I remember correctly, and he goes, "Now you're playing with power." <laughs> yes, there were there were two um, there were two references because he also had a pseudo power glove. Oh, he had that. yeah. And then he I, had. His I actually Freddy... probably went crazy when I saw that. Yeah, you're like, oh, I the power glove too. <clears throat> I want the Freddy glove. <laughs> but yeah, that that was probably the but, highlight man, of six. They're really corny, but. You know, New Line Cinemas, it's known, at least in the early days, as the house that Freddy built. Uh, these movies were all successful um, box office. You know, like, they made money. And If they it, had not been, New Line Cinemas would not be around. No, right. And then later on, much later on, Peter Jackson came along, and they, they, they gambled big time on The Lord of the Rings, and that, course, that of course, paid off. And then they, they were, I guess, yeah, absorbed by Warner off, Brothers. But, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know if that paid off so well. <laughs> New Line Cinema was Freddy Krueger, the Ninja Turtles, and then later the Lord of the Rings. And you know, you don't really see that. Lo- I, I think it's still around. I, you know, I, I'm, I know that they were sucked up by Warner Brothers at one point, and uh, but I, I guess they still uses they still use that iconic New Line uh, where like the film strip comes in pieces and then it like lands just right. And it has that like that music that na, yes na, na, 
na, na, na, na, na. New Line that. will forever. New Line is always going to be Ninja Turtles for me because uh, yeah. that was my first exposure to the New Line logo. Yeah. Their whole. And I was like, every time I see it, it always reminds me of Ninja Turtles. And I'm pretty sure the Ninja Turtles movie <clears throat> made more money than all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies combined, probably. <laughs> That's uh, that seems like a fair bet. But here here is a few of here's a few facts about Nightmare on Elm Street Three: The Dream Warriors. Uh, it was released in 1987, rated R, of course. Uh, it comes in at a very uh, tight 96 minutes there's not a whole lot of farting around like it gets to it pretty fast with freddy almost right away uh released actually on february 27 1987 why did these movies always get released you know early in the year like they would come out in february march or they would never actually hit october and a lot of horror franchises are sort of guilty of that and Halloween actually came out right around Halloween, the remake we were talking about, which was so great. It just really made things more fun. I think it probably helped its business, too, a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I never understood. I mean, you know, they, it's New Line, though. Like, how many movies do they have to shuffle around? What are they getting out of the way of in October? For, and you got a Freddy movie. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know. And especially, I mean, I, I don't know, because I know uh, as of recent years, <clears throat> probably until Black Panther hit, I mean, January and February were kind of dead zones. Mm. Um, and when you're talking Nightmare 3, Wes Craven never thought it was going to, he, he thought we were going to, one and done. We did Nightmare on Elm Street, that was yeah. going to be it. Right. And then they came back and did Freddy's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't attached to that at all. No. And so, and, but it did really well, um, commercially. And right. so they're like, oh, okay. So then he came back for three, which when you're watching him, you can tell it's like, oh, three's good. Uh, yeah. So that you can tell that Wes Craven came back to be a part of it. Yeah. And you know, it had a budget of $4 million, which is, you know, pretty pretty big for a new line for 87 a horror movie that's Mm -hmm. still kind of getting off the ground yeah right and domestically it grossed 44 almost 45 million dollars yeah which is a huge payday for for these guys and uh you know that 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 adjusts to around 100 million dollars in today's money um imdb rating is a 6.6 which is pretty respectable for a third movie in in a slasher franchise uh, 72% on Rotten Tomato, only 49% on Metacritic, which it always puzzles me when you have like Rotten Tomato and Metacritic differ so greatly when they're both like aggregate, you know, machines, yeah. basically. I, I don't understand how that works. I know the way that, well, they, they do rate things a bit differently. I think Rotten Tomato is just purely whether or not it's rotten or whatever, and then they just take yeah. those numbers and you know if you if you even kind of liked it, it's okay, and then they just average it out. So I don't know. Uh, it was directed by Chuck Russell, who went on to direct The Blob in 1988, which I remember being pretty pretty gory back then. Like that was a that was kind of a you know it it's sort of infamous in a lot of. Uh, circles and people especially who enjoy horror movies from the 80s that was really disturbing <laughs> like they really went far with that did you ever see the blob 
It has. It's been a while. Yeah. It, uh, that's one of the things that that because I, I started today. Um, I'm going through the uh, Child's Play Chucky franchise because mm. <clears throat> there's so many of those. Like when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed I to watch. Wonder if that's them. foreshadowing something. <laughs> it, it it may be. It may be. It may not. Yeah. I, I'm also I'm also doing the Omen and and the Psycho franchise. Oh, okay. And okay. So I, there's there's a bit of mystery mm. attached to all of it. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Nice, but uh, we didn't even yeah. rehearse that, folks. That was no, that, that was, was improv right on the spot. That was right. We're in the moment. We're living in the moment. <laughs> Eat your heart out, groundlings. Yes. Um. Uh, but there's there's a lot of these from the '80s. I mean, because this came out when I was four. Uh, so, mm-hmm. um, and because my parents weren't meth addicts, I didn't get to see it when it first came out. Um. So there's there's a lot of these that I mean. I remember seeing the boxes. Remember, I mean, like the picture, like I'm oh, sitting here right golly, now, IMDb man, pulled wait, up. Those boxes. Oh, that I mean, was, like, that was how you judged a movie back in the day. I know like it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, people talk about that all the time. It's kind of cliche, but it's true. And, you know, but in the video store days, you just picked up a movie box and that's where they, they would put all, like, especially movie, uh, studios like Canon and New Line. Yeah. A, a substantial part of their budget went to the poster uh, yep. because they, they kind of had to draw you in with that. Like they couldn't put out a lot of commercials or trailers, I guess in theaters, like you, they really had to sell you on that poster. And that's, I mean that like, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think today um, people either forget or especially, I mean, you know, not to be the old guys, like kids today, but yeah. it was like, I mean, you can you can go online. You could right now. You could go online. You could watch movie trailers for hours if you wanted yeah, to, yeah. to see what kind of stuff's coming out. Oh, do right. I, is this in like, seconds? In ni- you can see them yeah. in seconds. <laughs> in 1987, you got to see trailers before movies, and that's it. Or before a VHS tape. Or before yeah, before a VHS. Yeah. It's like and you know and with that, it's like okay, you know, at the time you don't realize it, but it's like okay, all of these are just from this studio. Yep. You know, no, and you're right. Similar. As, a, as a kid, you don't put that together. Yeah, it's like, oh, you, you have no idea that's like there's, you know, dozens of different studios putting out movies. Like, so here's like, the line of shit New Line's got coming out. Yeah, in 1987 New Line. Here's all the films from New Line. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, so um, uh, Chuck Russell also directed Jim Carrey in The Mask in '94, which is, whoa, that's pretty different. And uh, yeah. his his final big movie of note was the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, 1996 action movie Eraser. So you know a pretty good catalog of movies, not too shabby. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors being his debut. This was his first movie. Uh, the story was by Russ Wes Craven, and also Bruce Wagner, who went on to write the '89. I think it was a Wes Craven. If if it wasn't directed by, it was at least produced by um, uh, the Shocker, which desperately oh, yeah. wanted to be Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yes, and it and it was fun for the day, but it really didn't. It didn't catch on like Freddy. No, just, just not it as did good. Not. Uh, of course, based on characters by Wes Craven, uh, who did direct the original Nightmare on Elm Street. And as you said, he didn't come back for the second movie. And after the third movie, he didn't come back again until New Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, which was some, you know, seven years later, I guess. The, that was 94, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, you know, uh, he 
he Wes Craven. He, he's an interesting guy. Like you know, R.I.P. First of all, uh, but yes, he he's just one of those. Yeah, he's just one of those horror pioneers who just is in just emblazoned in your head when you think about horror movies. It's just like Wes Craven and you know. Um, John Carpenter. John Carpenter, thank you. Those those two guys especially, big, huge. And uh, there was another guy. There was another guy who would always have his name above all the actors in the title. But for some reason, it's escaping me. Um, Clive Barker? Clive Barker, yes. Yes, he did Hellraiser, right? Yep. So, right. And so it's always like Clive Barker presents, you know, Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> the Midnight Meat Train. <laughs> Still my all-time favorite movie title. I, I always avoided that movie. I, I laughed so, no joke, true story. When I, I was in theater, I was in a the theater seeing a movie with friends, and that movie, that trailer came on, and it's not a bad trailer, but when, like, they cut to the midnight meat train. <laughs> Everybody in the theater started dying laughing. Yeah, you can't, it's, you can't, it's a porno title. Like, how can you yeah, not you see can't, this? You can't name a movie that. You can't do that. Not that you want people to take seriously. <laughs> yeah, so mm. I, it just was a joke in my, my circle of friends for just a long, long, long time. But, hey, it's got Bradley Cooper in it. And, uh... Hey, I turned, I, I turned into, uh... Harry Carey there for a second. <laughs> hey, hey everyone! Do you Harry like Carey Bradley here? Cooper? <laughs> Bradley Cooper's in this movie. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be wild, guys. Uh, uh, but Wes Craven, of course, you know he had he has two, not one, but two majorly successful uh, genre-defining franchises under his belt with Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. Yeah, uh, which. You know, you and I were conversing in a text, you know, a couple of days ago, and you you were telling me that you were on New Nightmare and that it was refreshing and it was good. And I was like, yeah, it's like a blueprint to Scream. It really is, you know. Y- yeah. Y- you can draw a direct line from the things that he was experimenting with in New Nightmare right to Scream. After, I mean, really, intru- I'm mean, like going uh, the the seven. Uh, I mean, the six original movies, and then attacking on New Nightmare at the end. The ones that Wes Craven was involved in, one, three, and seven, are the best in the series. Makes sense. It makes sense. He 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 knew how to write for Freddy. Yeah. And uh, the the other movies just really tried to exploit. Uh, I mean, Freddy's iconic. He looks really cool. He's got the glove. He's got the you know the quips. Oh my lord, the quips. So it it was almost after three and rolling into four through and then progressively snowball effect. It didn't. It was just like the kids were immaterial. It didn't even matter. It's almost like they didn't even. They started not even give a shit about the characters of themselves. Not bother to write anything interesting about the characters because yeah, they it's were like, just. Kid, but no, just yeah. just grab a bunch of kids off the street. I don't they even were, care. <laughs> they were just meat. They were just meat for Freddy. Yep. And uh, it, it and they they would give him like some loose defining characteristic that Freddy could turn against them. And that was had the theme of his kill. And that's just, that was the recipe that worked. And by the time you get to six, you're just like, fuck it. I don't even, I don't care if any of these kids survive. I just want to see the inventive kills. Kind of like final destination. You don't give a damn about any of the kids. You just want to see what creative ways they can kill. a kid. I, I literally, I literally made the exact, like at one point I was sitting there, I don't remember which one I was watching, and I was like, this is exactly the way that Final Destination went. 
It was like it started with an, an interesting premise that you liked, and they tried to kind of explain it. And then by the time you get to the third one, it's like, how are they going to kill the kids? It's going to. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> it was like, oh, this kid, this kid got stapled to death. How, can you even do that? How does that happen? This kid just he fell over on grass and died. And yeah. I was like, what? Those blades that are sharp, weird. man. Really sharp. Uh, so with that, we'll get into the cast and. Uh, it it stars Nancy returning uh, for the third movie. Heather Langenkamp Langen, of Just the Ten of Us fame. <laughs> yeah, right, right. She's known for the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, uh, and but yeah, also Just the Ten of Us, which is a sitcom that ran uh, during the late eighties. Uh, Spit off of 90s. Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. And she played Nancy Kerrigan in the nineteen ninety four uh, TV movie, The Tanya Harding Story. <laughs> So she's good at playing characters named Nancy. Yes, she's definitely good at playing characters. It's her named specialty. Her Who knew? herself. Well, no, Nancy, not her. Heather is her name, but uh, she she returns. Uh, we got. And I know this is this is going to seem kind of weird and out of order how I've got this laid out, but just bear with me. Uh, we have Max the Orderly, played by Larry Fishburne, <laughs> uh, who leads a really some credibility to the cast overall you know he by it by 1987 he had already appeared in movies like apocalypse now rumblefish quicksilver the color purple i mean that's just to name a few like he was also in mash and some other like a critically acclaimed television series like hill street blues or something so lawrence fishburne with his star was rising and he plays a pretty big part as max the orderly in this um, how do you, how, what were, what, what's it like? Like when I see Lawrence Fishburne in a movie like this, it kind of takes me out of it. But at the same time, he's so very young looking. Uh, you yes, know, he is. He's very young, but he's, he's, he's cool. And he's, he's, you know, he's just got that effort, effortless way about him. And I, I enjoyed, I love watching him through, I mean, like, I want to see more of Max the Orderly. <laughs> I want to see his well, story. It's it's not it's nice because for I mean when you recognize you're like hey that's that guy that's always a fun moment like hey, yeah. I didn't like <clears throat> if you go back and you watch a Leprechaun and you're like hey that's Jennifer Aniston yeah right. and then you're like oh wait I don't care but and with this it's you know wait, you're Lawrence whoa, whoa, Fishburne whoa. you're not you're not equating Jennifer Aniston with Lawrence Fishburne are you no that's why I didn't care about Jennifer okay. Aniston. <laughs> I was like you would have that moment where you'd say hey that's Jennifer Aniston and then you would realize. Oh wait, I don't care. I haven't um, even seen the Leprechaun. Was it two that she's in? She's in the first one. Oh, she's the, in the original. I haven't the, even seen it, but I'm sure she was playing Rachel hard in that movie. <laughs> she I, she really kind of only has one mode. I mean, you yeah, know, Rachel. <laughs> you know, God God love her. She's made she's made a lot of money doing that. Oh, and yes. uh, I got, God, I, I wish I could get money. I wish I could get paid millions of dollars just for being me. Yeah. You know, like what? What's your character defining uh, traits for this movie? Uh, my name's going to be another name, and that's it. I'm just that's all yep. I'm going to. I'm going to. Everything same, else seems to be the, working. Just the same character. Uh, just the same thing. People love it. And here we go. Trying so to see, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is a deep Patton Oswalt cut for you. That is that is a deep Patton Oswalt <laughs> cut right there, and I love it. I love. It. That's what you get from this podcast. Mm, Dang on it. Mm-hmm. We but love the Patton. You see, you see Lawrence Fishburne, and you have that moment, which is nice. 
And then I, I think, because for me, one of the things, especially, and I know you haven't gotten to Partridge Arquette yet, but it's it's when I was like, knowing that these people went on to have an actual career, and then you watch it and you're like, that's understandable because even in this, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's the third one, so in a lot of franchises by the third one, you know, the third Halloween movie is um, Season of the Witch. So you're like, oh, I shouldn't care about this. And the mm-hmm. third, uh, oh, I will say uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 is when things start to actually get good. But you're, I mean, you're, you're in your third installment of franchise. Um, but this is where things actually do really start to get good. We've, we've yeah. kind of turned the corner from the, the yeah. first couple. And then when you have these, you have these two actors in there, it's like, it's not hard to see why they had careers because even this young right. in, in a film like Friday the 13th part three, they still were good actors, which I think just further legitimizes it as, okay, it's Friday the 13th part, or it's, uh, it's Nightmare on Elm Street part three, but it's, I mean, it's, it makes in, in watching all of them, this one is far more watchable than other ones. Yeah. You, it really, really stands out. It. And a part of that is yeah. because of the performances. And the little, the, it's like a little treat, like a little Easter egg you get with these, yeah. these, you know, really famous actors who, you know, Robert England would be probably the third most famous person in this movie. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, Lieutenant Thompson, uh, aka Nancy's dad, John Saxon. John Saxon, who's known for, I mean, really just playing a cop. I feel like in most everything. <laughs> He just plays a cop. He, I think he was a cop in Black Christmas, which is a horror movie from the 70s. I don't think he was a cop in Enter the Dragon, but uh, I just look at John Saxon and I go, he, he needs to be a cop. And I don't know how many times he's actually played a cop, but he just has a cop face, you know? He, uh, I don't trust his, his most His most iconic role for me was uh, in the film Mitchell with uh, Joe Don Baker. Mitchell. It's a great film. Was he a cop? He plays a criminal. Oh, okay. He plays a criminal in that one. The other side but of it. Okay. Mitchell. Just check out Mitchell. Mitchell. Mitch. Mitch. Mitchell. This is before Mitch became our uh, often inebriated, passed out engineer. Wait, wake up, Nearly Mitch. dead. Nearly dead. He stinks. I, I don't know. He might be dead. I don't want to know. There um, is an aroma, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> Uh, so from there, uh, and, and John Saxon's excellent. I mean, I, I dig him. He doesn't have to do too much heavy lifting in this role, but the the few minutes that he's in are are good. You know, a solid solid actor, a character actor that you can count on. He's like the Brian Dennehy of this movie. Oh yes, Brian Dennehy. So the next uh, group of actors or characters that I'm going to highlight are the Warriors. Okay. Uh, leading off with Kristen, played by, as you just was brought up, Patricia Arquette. Young Patricia Arquette in her, I think it's her first credited movie role. I think um, so. I didn't bother to see how old she was. when, But, I mean, she had to be a, a teenager, right? I mean, she, she looked very young. Uh, brother of David Arquette, who... Uh, starred in a, another Wes Craven f- series of franchise we talked about, Scream. So the Arquettes were nice to Wes Craven. Uh, she, she, but I mean, when I think of Patricia Arquette, I think of that like run of '90s films that she was in, like True Romance, and and she was in Ed Wood, Stigmata. 
uh, Little Nikki. <laughs> she was she was very big in the nineties. Very big in the nineties. She was very big in the nineties, and then. Uh, in the 2000s, she had a set, kind of like a rebirth on television. She was on the show Medium for a long time, and uh, she she's she's really good in this movie. She carries she's the carrying the load in this movie. You know, like Nancy's back, but it's this movie's about uh, Patricia Arquette really, uh, and her dream warrior. Her dream warrior power is basically Neo, I guess, <laughs> or or gymnast. She can she can run up walls and evade freddie uh you know she she can pull people into dreams apparently like she has a scene where she sort of beckons nancy and then nancy falls into the back of a chair into a dream which is pretty crazy so you know there's a lot of calling in and out of realities she's kind of like neo and then which is cool because you got Lawrence fishburne there too exactly guiding her <laughs> giving her meds this is like you know this it's is not like the red the, pill or the blue pill but it's it's meds it's a pill this is the pre- a play a prelude to the Matrix. Yeah, that's what this movie is. This is a prequel to the Matrix. Everybody, exactly. That's all it is. <laughs> if it weren't for this movie, there'd be no the Matrix. That's all I'm saying. Uh, after that, you have well, I don't want to blow by Patricia Arquette. I mean, we did mention her. She she was a pretty big star in the '90s. I mean, you know, she she does have talent. You see it here, but there's there's a fair bit of overacting. She's 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 getting, you know, she's not really at the height of her powers just yet. Uh, but she didn't have to be in a movie like this. Can you scream good? That's really like, what can you do? Can you? Yeah. Are you an attractive female? Can you scream good? And then you're in. You're in. You're in. That was one of the things that Robert England commented on this movie. Is he said everybody. Because there were all these younger guys in the cast. Yeah, he said everybody was constantly coming up to him. Was like, do you think? Do you think I got a shot with Patricia? Do you think? You think if I asked her out, she would? And like they were. I mean, that was the whole thing. Like the, to the point where some some days, like some of them were just distracted because they were just so infatuated with Patricia Arquette. And he said that was just the whole tone of the movie. Is like everybody was obsessed with Patricia in this movie. Oh yeah, she's she. Um, you you can see all of it right there. I mean, you know, she's. She is cute, but she has like that. I mean, if you see, I mean, she got to True Romance. That that movie came out, I think, ninety three. So in six short years, she she would be at the height of her powers. And she in that movie is one hundred percent Patricia Arquette. When I think of Patricia Arquette, that's what I think of. She was in well, that movie, Bringing Out the Dead, too, right? Nick Cage. I think that. so. Yeah, I just like her. She's always very understated in her performances. She never really goes too hard. Um, she almost kind of seems out of it, maybe a little bit stoned in some of her performances. Yeah, she does. Uh, She's got that very uh, yeah, kind of appeal. Sleepy, kind of whatever. <laughs> but no, that's she, interesting that to, to learn that uh, so many of the cast members and crew were, were into her. I, I get it. I totally get it. She's She's cute. Well, and I can tell you, having watched four right after this, they replaced her with an actress Tuesday night. And wait a second, oh. her name is Tuesday night. Yes, Tuesday night. She was oh, horrible. God, I mean, four really and truly because there's there's a continuity between three, four, and five, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. almost pseudo continuity leading into six. Um. Uh, which is and isn't really there, but especially mm-hmm. between three, four, and five, there's there's a continued storyline. There's characters that overlap. Yeah, and um, and, with and I love that, that. You love that. 
it, it, it really did. I mean, cause they did that with, uh, the Halloween, um, when they got four, uh, four, five, and you got six. Lori back. Yeah. Oh well, they, yeah, that too, right? They, the, you had, you had that continuity in four, five, and six. They, I mean, they weren't, uh, they weren't great. I mean, it was Curse of Michael Myers. The I forget what they all are, but right. It, it's it's nice. I mean, it, it feels like it, you know um, that was one of the things they did well in the Saw franchise that handed handed off from director to director, writer to writer. But they ca- they did do a decent job of keeping some continuity between the characters, which really made these otherwise disjointed films feel like they came together. And so mm-hmm. in that respect, I think four would have been a lot better had they got Patricia Arquette back, which mm. there was no reason that they didn't. They just didn't. Uh, wasn't you had that, told me your, your opinion is four is shit, right? It's basically oh, shit. Um, the, the acting is, I mean like none of these kids, you don't, you don't watch these movies like, Oh my gosh, the acting is phenomenal. <laughs> right. But, but don't e- take me even, out of the movie with your bad acting. Even yeah, for the expectation of what you're going to get, for it to be below that, and you're like, oh, this is really just nearly unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, that's because uh, that's that's really where it is, and it, it gives you. I mean, it really does give you uh, a sense of contrast between Patricia Arquette and Tuesday Night. We're like, if they had brought Patricia Arquette back in four, I, I think because I think four still did well, and four is for whatever reason is Robert England's favorite. I'm like, why? Why is this your favorite? Yeah, four this is, four is my entry point into the series. Actually, uh, I remember very, very well getting the cassette uh, from the video store, local video store, and without my mom knowing, watching it and being freaked out. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, you know, and these movies aren't really that scary, honestly. When no. you revisit them, they're just sort of gross a lot of times. Yeah, but they're not like really scary. But, you know, that that was sort of my introduction. And I had heard about, you know, just just to backpedal a little bit, if, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah. What, what, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street has this like real mystical kind of ethos for me. Uh, I had a cousin who, when I was younger, would, you know, you, you know, like sometimes when like cousins get together and you'll tell stories like ghost stories and, you know, in a pre-internet world, you're not quite sure whether or not they're bullshitting you. You can't just go instantly look things up and see if it's real or not. So there, there was this kind of, is what she telling me like a real thing? Like, what is this, this person, you know, like, cause, cause you know, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but I was young. And if you take that and you juxtapose it with urban legend, things like bloody Mary, where you would, you know, like your friends would dare you to go into the bathroom and turn out the lights, close the door, and say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror. Uh, you know, if you're honest, you didn't do that. Because <laughs> even though it's ridiculous that, you know, like a monster or a Bloody Mary is going to appear in the, the mirror and, and kill you or whatever it in your kid brain you imagine she does, pulls her through the mirror. Uh, you know, w- when you think about Freddy Krueger, who was a uh, basically child murderer, who, you know, I remember her telling us on the front porch on a, on a, you know, like a night, like tonight, kind of crisp, cool, uh, very nice. And, you know, we're just sitting on the porch and we're just going through the scenes of the original Nightmare on Elm Street and being horrified. But I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop, you know, like I had to hear all of it. So, and, and I, you know, I'm sure she'd let on that it was a movie, but you know, in, in retrospect, you start thinking, well, was she telling this story? Like, is it a real thing? Uh, but you know, probably not. I mean, she wasn't a mean, bad person, <laughs> but she was a teenager 
telling other teenagers about, or younger kids, honestly, I wasn't a teenager, about this series. And she was probably, I'm going to say that maybe the second one was out around this time. And, you know, she, it was probably forbidden even for her. Like in my mind's eye, she's older, but really she was just a kid too. And so when I got around to seeing four, it was sort of like that rite of passage. Like, this is my entry point into horror movies. Uh, you, you know, you, we didn't get HBO until a little bit later, right around this time. And, uh, I, I want to say like, um, new line movies would come out not on HBO or like Cinemax, but like Showtime or some shit, the movie channel. One of the, one of the ones we didn't have. So even then my, my opportunities to see the movie were slim. So I would get made like edited for television versions of Nightmare on Elm Street. So those really those VHS tapes and those posters were all I had. So seeing four, you know, I have I have a little bit of a soft spot for four because that was sort of my entry point. Uh, but that that was just you know when you when you mentioned four being shit, I was like, yeah, I'm sure it is, and it is interesting to know that that's his you know Robert England's favorite one. But uh, I tell you what, man, that one's got the meanest kill in my opinion <laughs> with the cockroach. Uh, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Burned into my memory forever. That scene. Um, I guess we move on to the no. You know, I I left out a character, another character actor. I guess before we get to the next warrior, um, Neil, uh, who is played by Craig Wasson, and he's basically only known for the 1984 erotic thriller Body Double. That's like his other big film, and he he may have done smaller roles in other movies or maybe even television. But I think that's what most people equate his career to is body double and, and dream warrior. Uh, but I liked him a lot in this movie. I thought he was really, I thought he did a he nice was, job. He was a very likable guy, super likable guy. He never gets inappropriate with any of the teenagers, which is, I feel like something that might get explored and maybe in the nineties, maybe that might get explored a bit more, but he seemed very innocent and earnest and wanting to help the kids. And, uh, you know, if it was, you know, it, it was that other doctor, the older, you know, doctor who was stepped the nurse ratchet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The nurse ratchet of the group, you know, she kind of played the foible to him and Nancy. Uh, but you know, which, which we really haven't even gotten into Nancy's character. Like she kind of plays like a graduate, I guess, like who, yeah. I, don't, I, 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 my assumption is she graduated college and her career choice was, you know, to, to help, you know, troubled teens, I guess. But really she's just back because, you know, the Elm Street <laughs> kids. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, but Neil Gordon, uh, any, any thoughts on his performance or, or anything stand out with him? I he was he like one of one of the things you get in all these movies is that continued somebody gets exposed to Freddy and just there's there's you know a handful of people are like you know they start putting together he had a he had a hat and a red and green yeah they yeah. have the hand with it and yeah. so people are like no this can't this can't be and then everyone else is like this is ridiculous. Right, and right. really, I mean, like in a real world setting, it's one of those things. Is like, yeah, that's not, that's not real. Mm-hmm. But it's like, okay, which is why it, this it, movie's this series is so effective. It's, yeah, it's a billion dollar concept to be sure. You know, the the story of Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, and it's 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 funny because 
you know, they're, they're, I mean, Freddy Krueger's not real, um, but it was the the idea that Wes Craven had for this. It was based on a real thing that happened. These uh, uh, Asian guys, totally healthy guys, nothing wrong with them, just all spontaneously died in their sleep. Mm. Just it was one of I, it was one of those like nobody knew why, nobody could figure out what happened. It wasn't like oh, you know, got so worked up and had a heart attack. It was just they just died in their sleep. I was like, what the heck? Right. And so um, it, it was it was one of those things where there's a phenomenon kind of backing it to where, you know, that, that adds just that, that tinge of legitimacy to where it's like, mm-hmm. no, this isn't just a totally made up thing. Like, yeah. it's not like you could die. If you, you die in your dream, you, d- you could die for real. I yeah. Guess. So That's it's like, okay, saying. there's, you, you, you take that and you, you, you put the, the face of Freddy Krueger in the backstory there. Yeah. You take um, a, the burnt face of the son of a hundred maniacs and put little knife fingers on a, on a glove. <laughs> just kind of, you just, just kind of pepper that in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a little bit, just for just, garnish. It's the little and, things. Uh, <laughs> But that one of the things that I liked about the because there that gets to be the the whole somebody has somebody's seen Freddy somebody's experienced Freddy and he's messing with them so mm-hmm. they're not dead yet yeah and oh, so they're yeah. trying to desperately explain to no no it's and then they you know then somebody does the research and they're like yeah there was a guy and I'm like how does no one ever remember this like it's <laughs> like I've never even heard of this like there are dozens of kids in this town that have been murdered in their sleep. Yeah. And the parents are just, I mean, they're just incredibly fantastic. Like they, the, this is where we should take all of our government secrets because these parents can I mean, like it's just, because you go from the first to the second one, it's five, five years in the timeline and no one's even heard of Nancy Thompson. They find her diary and they're like, who's this Nancy Thompson? Who, who yeah. what, there was a massacre in this town. There right. were children dying all over the place. <laughs> and even when you go from the second to the third, Freddie shows up at a pool party. And literally, he's at a pool yeah. party, yeah. and there's like 30 kids there, and they right. all see, and adults see him, and he's running around. Things yeah. are setting on fire. They always he's killing forget. People. And that it's just was like, one of the things they kind of fixed in the Scream, uh, which is always the the franchise. You have to, you can't help but compare. Uh, yeah, Sydney was known and famous always. You know, like after the first film. Or even prior to the film, you know, like her mother was murdered by supposedly Liev Schreider or whatever. But, you know, she was famous and remained famous. Cotton. Cotton, yeah. (laughs) But that's a great point. And uh, there's another podcast that I I listen to, and they're really funny, called Hold My Popcorn. And they they just did an episode on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And uh, so shout out to those dudes. But they made this great point, similar to what you're saying. Like, how how does Nancy show up in this town, the same damn town she, you know, like, as you're saying, and she's, she should never be allowed to work with suicidal teens no. <laughs> who, who are, who are, you know, talking about, well, really, they don't ever talk about Freddie, you know, they all just kind of get together and have that group realization, you know, that like, oh, yeah, there's a guy. I don't know about you, but I would be screaming. I'd be like, it was a guy with knife fingers. You know, like, I would never stop yelling knife fingers. Yeah. It's like knife fingers, guys. Knife fingers. The guy had knife <laughs> fingers. He had Seriously? fingers and knives were on them. Finger knives. Knife fingers, you guys. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. However you want to say it. Knife fingers, finger knives. It doesn't matter. But The but naming I was... vernacular is not of concern. It's the fact that the fingers had knives on them and they're killing people. <laughs> Don't lose sight of the fact. You can't understate the craziness of knife fingers. It's a crazy thing. 
and uh, they, they, they like, what? They just don't even talk about it. They keep that in. Uh, but yeah, yeah let me just keep like, that to myself. But I, I did find that funny. They were like, she should, ne- she would never be allowed in this town, especially uh, to to be anywhere near these kids. <laughs> and uh, but but the warriors are in the in this movie anyway. Uh, they're they're supposedly the last children of the parents of El- the Elm Street uh, revenge plot, I guess. Uh, very famously, the uh, like, like you know, Nancy's dad. They all got together. All of these parents, all, they got, they got on their neighborhood app. They jumped on Facebook and they planned uh, this, this, uh, you know, murder of Freddy Krueger in his house. That's how he gets all burned up. Um, but, but back to the Warriors. Let's get back to the Warriors a little bit. Uh, next, we have Joey, played by Rodney Eastman. Uh, Good old who, Joey. Yeah, he but he, he also appears in Nightmare on Elm Street Four, and, and uh, see, oh, and he was in the 2010 remake of I Spit on Your Grave. Uh, and his dream warrior power is basically being horny. <laughs> he's he's the horny mute, basically. Yeah, without Joey, there would be no nudity in these movies. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, not much really to, I mean, he's not an interesting character. He spends a good chunk of this movie being held hostage by Freddy. He, he does have a really cool scene, you know, we'll get to later. Uh, but you know, I, I knew there was a reason why there was a nurse. I had like a nurse fetish. This maybe dates back to this movie. I don't know. Well, interesting fact about about your (laughs) coast. Think, think about, think about being approached. As a teenager for this role, it's like, all right, here's what here's what we want you to do. Um, your character doesn't really say anything, so you don't have to learn any lines. Yes. And what, here here's what happens: uh, there's a uh, there's a really attractive woman <laughs> who gets naked, uh, and like that's the whole scene. Yeah. It's just you and the naked woman. Um, you would just you have as a to teenager, put your hands up by the headboard and be like, ah. Yeah. Know, all like, all you have to do is is be there in the scene with this naked woman who at one point will get on we'll, top of we'll you. We'll gag you. You don't even have to emote much. Just do it with yeah. your eyes. That's all you got to do. With we your just eyes. W- what we do is we want you to be there. Don't learn any lines. At one point, we'll probably have you scream. Yeah. In the movie, um, but outside of that, uh, there's really nothing that you need to do. You'll just kind of be there. And then, like I said, there's that, <laughs> just there's that be scene there with the naked, and, and, very and naked woman. Scream with your eyes and hide your boner. That's all you have to do. Would, would that be Would that be something? And we'll pay you a lot of money to do this. <laughs> right. We'll, and then what we'll do is we'll bring you back for a sequel yes. to do the same thing. Yes. Could we, could we do that? Could we do it twice? Could we get two different very naked women? You don't have a lot of lines. Just kind of be there with the naked woman and we'll pay you a lot of money. Is that something that you would be interested in? That that Rodney Eastman had one hell of an agent. No, no. Originally, he was supposed to have a whole monologue, and they got it down to being a mute. What a guy. Like We don't want you to say anything. Just nothing. No lines. Great don't point. learn anything. Just be here. Just have boobs in your face. Can you do that? Can Just you show up that? every day and wait for the boobs. <laughs> That's your role in this That's movie. That's your cue. Oh, real boobs. High I got to get on set. Uh, oh, sorry, guys. Uh, the uh, I got my call sheet. I got to be on set today. <laughs> Where's my sock? <laughs> Okay. Uh, next on the list is Kincaid, played by oh, Ken. Good old Kincaid. Oh, Kincaid. I love Kincaid. He's like a buff Beetlejuice uh, from the from the Howard Stern show. Yes. <laughs> if you yeah, can imagine that. 
He's like he's a, a non-short version of him. <laughs> very short temper, but uh, but a demeanor yeah. and voice that does not match. No, said temper. No. Uh, he he also appeared in Nightmare on Elm Street four. He was another carryover yes. and has a credit as Gus. Gus's pal in the 2003 George Clooney, Catherine Zeta-Jones movie, Intolerable Cruelty. Uh, but he's more known for a writer nowadays. I think he has uh, some some uh, critically acclaimed writing credits recently. And, yeah. uh, his, well, good his, for him. Yeah, it, uh, totally, totally. His dream warrior power is being strong. That's basically his power. And Smash. talking shit, man. He talks some shit. He does. Did did you read did you read about how he got his role? No, lay lay some backstory on. <clears throat> it, it's it's just it's really entertaining because he came in uh, he came in for the casting call and I he was there for I mean like it was some absurd amount of time and he was he just got so incredibly frustrated by having to sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait and when they finally called him in he was just so frustrated with having been there for some exorbitant amount of time that he. Just, <laughs> As they call him in to, to audition, he just goes, fuck you. I'm like, you're hired. I was like, that's that's fantastic. That's exactly what we were looking for. Can you, just can like, you bring that to the set? The casting director for this film was like, yeah, we need a, we need one kid to not say anything and hang out with a naked chick. Um, this kid just verbally accosted me. Hire him immediately. We uh, want him for this. Jesus Christ. They were doing a lot of cocaine on the set of this movie. Yeah, they were just like him. Hey, mm. I don't even know if these kids are real. Uh, but no, King King Kate is a favorite. I, I do really enjoy all of his scenes. He's uh, he's he's he he does a weird turn. Like he's kind of an ass. He spends a lot of time in the quiet room, but by the end of the movie, he's just sort of this like pretty affable dude. It seems like uh, brings us to our next warrior, who is Taryn. I think Taryn may be my personal favorite, uh, played by Jennifer Rubin. Uh, she appeared in some other popular movies in the 90s, uh, like the uh, Oliver Stone Val Kilmer flick, The Doors. Uh, he was, she was in Screamers. And she also played a pretty big role in the 93 Alicia Silverstone thriller, The Crush, who was also, uh, also at Carrie Elways. I love Carrie Elways as a villain. He plays a very good villain. Uh, but her dream warrior power is being a beautiful badass who I am, I'm guessing she was turned down to be a member of Jim and the Holograms. Really? I mean, <laughs> she's she, got that she said look. Is, she's truly can I have, outrageous. Can I have slightly less impressive knives than Freddy? <laughs> just, and just two of them. I just want two of them. These two little ass knives. She's got two of them, though. He's got the big knife hand. Can I have two slightly smaller uh, <laughs> switchblade knives? I mean, why not attack Freddy with her hair? I mean, that really would have been more effective, honestly. That hair, how tall was that hair? That was, she did, she impressed a lot of people there. How much of the ozone was she singularly responsible for? for Oh, there's a good, there's a good chunk that goes (laughs) directly to her. Yeah, just straight to her, leads right to her. And I I did really enjoy her. She's, she's sort of a, you know, she's very cute. And uh, I, she, she also like, looked like she was, Ahead of her time for a movie. What was that Angelina Jolie movie with Winona Ryder where they were in it like kind of a uh, like a halfway home uh, for women, abused women? Uh, what was that? It's Girl like, Interrupted? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doesn't she? She seems like a, an extra in that movie. Yeah. She, could, she would just fit, blend right in with that movie. 
Uh, that, that was a cool movie. Like I, I saw that years after it came out. I was like, yeah, this is not what I expected exactly. It's pretty good. Um, and she, she, uh, just anecdotally her character, uh, cause I remember reading it in the, in the trivia. She, um, she had, uh, notably inspired a number of people who I guess wrote to her, um, and had said that her character in this movie, uh, caused them to discontinue a number of addictive behaviors like you know, cutting and drugs and stuff oh, like that. Oh, really? So she, yeah. She, and yeah, because she she's could, the recovering addict, basically. Yeah. That's cool. So she, she was, so she I, you was know what, she was, role model. she was one of the better actors in this film. Like, you know, she, she was vi- nothing, I mean, when, if you're playing uh, a, a troubled teen who, uh, who was, uh, you know, abusive with drugs, I mean, like she, she had the look, you know, she didn't have to, uh, she didn't have to go. I mean, I don't want to say she didn't have to go too far. She could have been very well have been prom queen or something in you know high school and been very far from you know Skid Row like her character is portrayed in the yeah. movie. But uh, I guess what I'm just trying to say is I was, I'm trying to compliment her. I, I felt she did really really well, and I'm not surprised that she had other roles and notable films after this. Uh, not not quite the success of Patricia Arquette, but pretty decent otherwise. Uh, which leads us to uh, the final warrior, uh, Will, played by Ira Hayden. Hayden? Hayden? I'm not sure. Uh, and he he was Bo. Uh, wheels? <laughs> he was Wheels. <laughs> yeah, he was he was the creepy boy. Uh, no, he he was in the 1988 Elvira vehicle, Elvira Mistress of the Dark, a totally underrated movie, which I loved in the 80s. I don't know if it's in the 80s. It probably stands up horribly nowadays. Uh, and that's really it. He, he was just the D&D loving nerd uh, whose dream warrior power is a wizard who is no longer crippled. His super dream power is he can walk. It's a shame because I love the concept of the dream warriors is a really cool concept. Yes. Where, you know, it, it's sort of like lucid dreaming. You know, are you familiar with the concept of lucid dreaming? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, in lucid dreaming, you you realize you're dreaming, there, and, and you, you can control and direct your dream as you want. And uh, I've done it a few times. It's really cool, you know, like when you realize you're lucid dreaming, you know, you just, you know, you become Superman. You just, boom, you can go flying do whatever. And usually you don't stay away for much longer after that, because I think your body realizes that, you know, you're in a dream and it just has to, for your sanity's sake, wake you up, I suppose. Completely ruin all of your hopes and dreams. (laughs) Right. So it, it, to me, it kind of reminds me of that, you know, like we're aware we're in a dream and they had that one really, really iconic fun scene where, uh, the one doctor, puts them all to sleep with that uh, metronome. Yes. And it's, I love that metronome, man. That, that is buried in my head, that sound that it makes and the like little light or whatever. The light, yes. I, I love that scene. It, it really, you know, I, and it's, as I'd mentioned earlier on the top of the show, I hadn't seen these movies in a while, but when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, it all came back to me. It's like, that was really impressive. I liked how they did that. And they all I do, gathered. I do really, and enjoy at the at the end of that when Nurse Ratchet comes in and everybody's just passed out. They are. They're just asleep. <laughs> it's like what what's going on in here? Yeah. Everyone's just sleeping. God damn it, Doc. You and this whore Nancy, this tart. It's like collective nap time for everyone. What is going on? <laughs> what were, is this? They were completely out. 
but yeah, that's where they reveal their their powers, basically. You know, like Patricia is running up walls, and uh, you know, uh, Kincaid's bending leg chairs, and uh, you know, Will walks. <laughs> Will's walking around. <laughs> Will just stands up. It's very he gets up out of his wheelchair. <laughs> Look so out, stunning Freddy. and so brave. He's standing up. Uh, but you know that so that that basically balances out the uh, dream warriors. Uh, so for this next section, I, I thought it might be fun to just sort of talk about the kills. Um, so we're just going to call this next uh, part the meat because this is more or less this is where the characters bite it. Do we get to talk about Philip and Jennifer now? Yes, we can. We can. Yes. <laughs> I kind of skipped Philip because he doesn't have a dream warrior. They're before. not dream warriors. Philip and Jennifer aren't dream warriors. No, no, no. So. Philip, their meat. Played there, the meat. Bradley and uh, Bradley Gregg, who is actually he's another one of the actors that I felt very uh, like at ease with. I thought he was a really smooth, believable. Yeah, kid, he had yeah. he had a charm about him that it mm-hmm. felt a little remiss that he was off as early as he was. Yeah, and I really laugh at his hobby. Like he's a uh, <laughs> like he's allowed to have mar- many marionettes, not just one. But many. Yeah, that's the thing kids do. <laughs> exactly. Teenagers are just into their marionettes. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about these <laughs> roving bands of marionette-making teenagers. Just loitering in the malls with their what are you marionettes. Kids doing? Hey, hey, what are you kids doing over there? We're just making stringed puppets, sir. Oh, you just God. leave us alone. We're making some stringed puppets. I mean, I remember growing up, just the fights between the skateboarders and the and the metalheads and the marionette guys. I mean, they were just always at each other's throats it was yeah it's like brutal they just they didn't have a play like you know the skate the skate punks they'd hang out the mall and the metal ads you know like skid run where are the marionette making kids supposed to hang out the craft center you know they're just doing their thing on a picnic table or something (laughs) hey guys have you seen the tensile strength of this marionette string (laughs) get the hell out of here you marionette brats some some guy in an apron with a with a broom. <laughs> yeah. Hey hey, skedaddle you! <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but yeah, you used to never see that. Uh, his, his big claim to fame really was playing Eyeball Chambers from uh, Stand by Me. I'll always re- remember okay. him fondly as uh, you know anybody from Stand by Me. I remember you fondly. Uh, and he also had a bit role in uh, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. But I think he had the grossest death. By far, <laughs> he he probably had I would say the most memorable from this movie. Mm. I I might argue with you there just because of uh, one simple little point, but it is very memorable. You always think of this scene. I mean, it yeah, you know, it would be a tough argument. Uh, but yeah, so he he's the first really of the teenagers to to get off Freddy in a pretty impressive little you know stop motion animation. Like you know, he kind of pops down. And uh, he he slashes at, you know, his artery, like, you know, like the major arteries, I guess, in his arms and legs and pulls his, I guess, just like his veins out, his muscles, yeah. whatever, whatever the hell, and and just proceeds to walk him uh, through the hospital. Very strangely that nobody really, like, how are the, the, these staff this hospital staff doesn't notice how he's he's slowly walking through the hospital (laughs) yeah i gotta say weston hills throughout the entire franchise not the most impressive when it comes to actually detaining youths in a psychiatric facility and and they did try to kind of give it like oh we they they let you know he's a sleepwalker early in the movie 
Uh, but nobody sleepwalks like this guy. You know, he's very aptly, you know, being you know, like playing like pantomiming his horror. You know, like he's he's you can clearly see he's in some discomfort, some pain. Uh, nobody uh, like nobody would sleepwalk just... like that. And that's that's just as a cop. Yep, he sure does like to sleepwalk. Mm. What? Why is his door unlocked? Kincaid even like rolls over. He's like, whatever you asshole. You know, like he's, (laughs) that's your roomie, dude. You should be looking out for your roomie. It's Uh, like, this is, this is not how this works in real life, guys. Mm -mm. And uh, he, but it's weird because, you know, he, 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 he has to disappear through a door like his body somehow. Like, I understand. I don't understand this. I get that once you enter the dream world, your body can, you know, they're, all bets are off. Nothing's equal. Like, you know, you, you could walk through a door. But in your physical reality, you shouldn't be able to walk through a door. Like, that shouldn't work. I, I, I didn't like that. That didn't sit well. You know what I'm talking about? Well, one of the to things get to that... The, uh, to get to the, like, <clears throat> the tower To the or bell tower? Yeah. That, that's, that's one of the things that I, will, that I really got to give Wes Craven credit for, especially with the Jamie Kennedy character in Scream. Because it's like he laid the groundwork for Jamie Kennedy's argument against his films mm-hmm. in his films. It's like, because he does the same kind of thing in five, I think, to where it's like, okay, yeah, because the, the whole thing, I mean, like they set up the rules. I mean, that's the thing. It's supposed to be there's yeah. like, here's the rules. Here's right. how it works. Right. And then it's like, yeah, but we needed to not work like that for because then because in this one, Freddie's mom starts showing up, and you're like, what? Okay, this is new. So mm. there's you, you get some more of those kind of ethereal forces. These okay, they start blurring some of those lines on what Freddie can and can't do. Yeah, you know what is and isn't the dream world, and it's like, okay. It's like on one hand, I really enjoy the plan. I, I think maybe it's in four where they pull him out. And he becomes mortal, I guess. I'm not sure, yeah. which, sure which one that is. They revisit that a few times. That's true. They do. In, not, in the Freddy versus Jason, they even do that. But I, and, I yeah, dig that. Yeah, in the that. 2010 remake. Yeah, I, I dig. I dig that. I think that's a cool thing, like as a device to kill him. Yeah. But, but just, just to be able to like walk people through walls, like just what? No, come on. It's like if, you, if your power's in the dream world, then it's one of those things where it's like, there's ramifications in the in the physical world, but that doesn't mean you could do magic stuff in the real. It was like, oh, this just go through this door. This should yeah. be easy. What? Uh, yeah. Anyway, how does that work, Freddie? So poor, poor um, Philip. He's dangling up in the clock tower, and and <laughs> Joey, the mute, sees him. He happens to be the one that sees him, and he's just trying to get people to follow him. And he's, you know, they all. You know, he does get the attention of the other. Uh, inmates or you know kids in the hospital and they just kind of watch poor philip dangle there for what seems like forever <laughs> and uh, yeah they, him off. they've got a front row seat for his death yeah. which is great <laughs> and, and it's it's an iconic kill scene for the nightmare on elm street series for sure and it's disgusting you know like they they you know the the makeup effects are wonderful here because you know they're showing they're not trying to hide it with quick cuts and and dark lighting they're showing close up slow pans of like his arms and legs and just the tendons and they're just it just opened up and it just looks so nasty and convincing so i was uh, this this movie this one and um it was 
four, I mean, four had a few, a few scenes that were, um, special effects wise that were, I mean, I, I know you already mentioned the cockroach one. I mean, some of those oh, that were, yeah. were pretty impressive, but yeah. that was another one of those real major contrasts for me between three and four, especially, but three and a lot and the rest of the franchise is the special effects in three for being 1987, you know, when you're especially, you know, that's one of the other things that's hard for people that watch it, you know, brand new, you know, much later down the road is, you know, we're used to the things you could do with CGI. Yeah. Um, and it's like, they didn't have that. They, I mean, they, that was not a, you know, they couldn't just, we'll do this in post. We'll do this with, we'll create all yeah, the pairs you had to we make want it. in post Yeah, you had to make it. So Which was like that, all this that stuff. snake scene. We, we didn't talk about yeah. that because it happens actually pretty early in the film where, um, uh, What's the character? Uh, Kristen. Kristen yes. is in the in the house, that Freddy Krueger house, and you had that really great scene where like the something on the floor it goes by, and then like it runs up the wall, and like oh that's real, like they're making that happen, and that was really impressive. And then you know Freddy uh, the Freddy comes up as a snake, and he's she's like in his mouth, and uh, it was disgusting. <laughs> it's like it looked really good. It looked honestly better than like when they did it in Beetlejuice and they were using that sort of stop motion yeah. kind of more like early special effects kind of thing. It, it looked really cool how they pulled that off. And uh, one of the things they catch they catch a lot of flack for is that the the Freddy snake looks a lot like a penis. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I that, could see I, how it watching... looks like a goot like a slimy penis. I was watching the, uh, some of the special uh, the special features on the the Blu-ray and the the special effects guys they were just kind of giggling about how that was. It was like yeah, it, it kind of looked a lot like, like that. a veiny penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the just, burns kind of look like veins. It, it's it's like when you watch <laughs> when you watch through the franchise, especially number two, especially number two. Um. The Freddy's Revenge, but it, there's there's a lot of things that are that have those. Uh, Aren't there like some undertones. balls or something in part two? The uh, Freddy Freddy, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in in, in two. <laughs> like when you watch it, and like a vague uh, recollection of a ball sack. <laughs> the the uh, the the writers eventually admitted that there were some pretty heavy uh, homosexual uh, overtones in what they were doing, and that mm. was very intentional. Oh, really? And yeah, and when you watch it. You're like, oh, this movie is like big gay Al gay. And big like gay really <laughs> Yeah, it's like really, really, really super duper shiny yeah. rainbow gay. And it's like it's re- like you can't not watch it through that lens once hmm. you understand that. I gotcha. But uh I gotcha. But yeah, the Fred I mean it, it doesn't take away from the impressiveness of the Freddy Snake because Yeah. I mean, you're you're hit pretty early on with some that plus the stop motion, the little marionette Freddy. I thought was yeah. really fantastic. It was pretty well done, you know. For 1987, you know, eat your like, hair, eat your you know, eat your heart out, uh, Herringhausen. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like there was, I mean, there was some uh, some pretty amazing. And I know the uh, <clears throat> the mirror effect towards the end when they're in the hall. That was one of the mm-hmm. things they specifically called out. It was like they had to get really creative with that because like we don't have CGI. We can't just add this stuff in. We had to get right. really creative with how to make that effect work. And it was like it really went off well. You could definitely tell. And it and that I think for that reason is why it holds up and stands the test of time. I mean, this movie's 33 years old. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the uh, next uh, piece of meat. Uh, and this is yes. the first time we mentioned Jennifer, played by Jennifer. Penelope Sudrow, 
who I was getting a strong Tina Yothers vibe from Family Ties. I mean, she was like straight up. It was like a combination of Yeardley Smith and Tina Yothers. There was like a like if they made it from Conan O'Brien, like if they if they made it, they would make Penelope Sudro. Uh, but she she was a good character. I really enjoyed her. Uh, she she and she really hasn't been in anything else, you know. Like that, this is kind of like her one and only big shot. And you know, I, I felt like she had some really good scenes. Like I like the scene where she's trying to stay awake. Her death scene, you know, and she she burns herself with a cigarette. Yes, uh, you know, she just wants to be an actor. That's just what she wants, even though she doesn't really have your traditional Hollywood good looks. Uh, that she just wants to be an actor. Well, and one of the things that's kind of funny, because I think, I I can't remember if it's noted in the trivia or somebody noted in the special features, um, that her character, um, Jennifer, wanted to be a big TV star. Mm -hmm. And and that was what she kind of went on to, I would hesitate to call her a TV star. Um, but that was primarily what she did the rest of her work in was TV stuff. Oh, is that so what she? Just, okay, good for her. Yeah, she's. It's. It's not like she was never like the. the and then we never saw her again ever. Yeah, it was like she. I mean, she had a lot of like one offs. She was on an episode of thirty something. She, you know, mm-hmm. here and there. So it's not like she good. was. Good. Yeah. Had her well, she own was good. Show. I thought she was a natural actor, so that's good. Yeah. You know, these are all kids. Honestly, these are like honest to goodness, not like nine hundred two one zero kids. These like these all look like young kids. Uh, so and sorry, her, her death, her death is pretty fantastic. I, I, I would this... argue this is the most iconic kill scene, if not in this movie, not if not the entire franchise. Uh, there's because... there's some pretty iconic parts about this that I really enjoy. Yes. So <laughs> let, let's just walk through the scene. So yeah, she's trying to stay awake, which is a you know a classic scene we've seen played out through almost all the nightmare films. You know, like the, yeah. the teenagers are afraid to go to sleep. Uh, they'll take pills, they'll burn themselves with cigarettes, they'll do whatever it takes to to stay awake. And it's it's really, it's relatable because, you know, if you've ever tried to just stay awake all night or for a long period of time, and Adam, I know you, I know you've yeah. gone stretches of days with no sleep. Uh, yes. That's not easy. Like your body no. needs sleep. It requires sleep. So, you know, she, she's she's doing, she's watching television. She's got that um, that awesome old, like, clicker from like not even the 80s like, yes know that tv's from like the 60s and it's mounted high up so like you know it feels safe right this really feels safe for her you know she's in this brightly lit room with a television hanging up high and she's, she's got, watching dick cavett yeah she's watching dick cavett with jaja gabor and uh you know she starts to nod a little bit and then she burns herself and then she's up she's nodding some more and you had that great scene with dick cavett where turns to Freddy Krueger and just slashes uh, Zsa Gavor. Uh, great scene. And uh, and then, of course, the TV goes out and she does that dumb thing where she investigates. <laughs> Let me look into this. What has yeah. happened? Perhaps I'll be able to fix this television with my extensive <laughs> electrical engineering uh, and understanding. But, but she walks up to the TV and then, you know, Freddy, the TV grows some, like, arms and, like, the head comes out and he grabs her and he's, uh, he, you know, he does the like, well, I forget what he says. He's like, you know, something about your big break. He utters the famous welcome to primetime bitch. Yes. And I, I would, uh, that line is why we got all of the bitches from here on out for the rest Which of the- Which was ad-libbed. 
it was ad-libbed by I, I did I remember reading that that was an ad-lib uh, by Robert England uh, he just enjoys calling people bitch and he worked it into his character apparently and that's one of the things he was explaining <laughs> after the fact was and like everything in the script is I mean like because people would ask him once they found out that that was ad-libbed <clears throat> I was like oh is there a, is there a lot of that he's like, no there's like none of that yeah he's like we had done this take so many times and he's like for whatever reason on that one he just changed it up yeah and they ended up keeping it and it's like I think that and I to your to your point I would say that does give I would say between that and the um the Philip Dunn, I mean it's like these two really do kind of you know her hers because of some of those effects might might transcend the entire series yeah oh and it's such a cool effect of of you know him coming out of the top of the television uh and, and he just like just just shoves her through the TV and she's just like hanging head yes. by the head up in this TV when like Lawrence Fisher comes walking in like, oh shit, should have taken, you know, the other pill. He, I, I love how crazy that scene appears, you know, like it's, it's framed so well for a first time director. You get, you get just the, the perfect view of her hanging from the TV. <laughs> and some of the, some of those are like, some of those are the kinds of things are like, I know that the adults in these movies don't want to acknowledge that something sinister is going on. But I just, I really want to kill yourself that way. I really want to ask somebody the logistics is like, okay, she was in this room by herself. Right. And somehow just a few moments later, one of the orderlies comes back and she's hanging from inside the television, which is mounted up on the side. So what she, she came running at the television full <laughs> speed and did a full on Michael Jordan head first into the box. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you'd have to get in that television pretty far in to be hanging like that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You'd have and, to and really shout out to want. her neck. I like it. Instead of just getting snapped off and cut, it just, just stayed attached Some to serious her body. Neck muscles. Yeah, it's credit to those things, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that scene. Welcome to prime time, bitch. I mean, it's scary, Terry from you know, Rick and, and Morty. Totally, and <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoy because they they cast Dick Cavett in that to put it. Because I was watching, as I was watching the opening credits, and it said Dick Cavett and Jaja Gabor. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. I know I've watched this before. Where, Where the hell Dick is Cabot Zsa 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 then, yeah. then it got to that. I was like, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's like, he's on that. Okay. And what they did is they, they brought in Dick Cavett for the role. Mm-hmm. And Dick Cavett specifically requested Jaja Gabor to be on the show with him because he said he would never in reality have someone that stupid on his actual show. Well, didn't Jaja like not even know who Freddy Krueger was? Like she was yeah, completely I mean, she was totally oblivious. blind. By totally. the whole craze of the first two Nightmare on Elm Street movies, like she had no clue what was even happening, and so he was he was more than happy to turn into Freddy and slice up Jean Jean Gabor because <laughs> he just he just couldn't stand her. <laughs> oh, Jesus and I thought Christ. that was wonderful. That's it was a great scene, really really good scene. Uh, so let's see that. So the next death we have, which really kind of comes too quick, and you know I think we had already maybe touched on it a tad, but Taryn's death scene. Yeah, uh, where she's just sort of on in an alley, I guess, an alleyway, and she sees Freddy. Uh, she she pops the she she likes to do the two switchblades out at the same time. She did it once before, yes. like I'm beautiful and bad, uh, which I had a pair of those the same, except I could comb my hair with them. 
and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a badass. She it it was a quick scene. It she didn't put up any fight whatsoever at nope, all. Nope, she just w- went in there to die. It was the biggest mismatch. I mean, there hasn't been a <clears throat> bigger mismatch since like the Dream Team circa 1992. I mean, she yeah. just. She, immediately is killed by Freddy. <laughs> a lot of times, like I like how Freddy kind of plays with his prey and he kind of lets yeah. him have a one up or a leg up, or at least think they have a leg up and then he'll kill him cruelly. But no, just straight up kills her, you know, just like she attacks he's, him, gets a swipe or two in. Like, I got too many kids to kill. Come on, let's just, let's get this over. Come on. <laughs> you got to get through. I got other thing. kids. I got to kill here. Uh, you're beautiful and cute, but I got to get through this. But uh, another another very memorable iconic moment. The kill isn't so much memorable as it is those open up opened up uh, needle wounds yeah. that are like making that sucking sound. Yeah, and, the little Muppet. Uh, oh, uh, another marks. fantastic practical effect. I, I just love that. It's it sends a shiver up my spine anytime I think about the grossness of that. And, yeah. Uh, he, his fingers turn into needles, and he's like, let's get high, and, you know, kills her there on an overdose, I suppose. So that's the end of Taryn. She, she, <clears throat> they, she, had a, she was a really interesting character who really doesn't, I mean, she, she's assaulted by one of the orderlies in the hospital, you know, like he, like Rico or whatever the fuck, <laughs> Italian yes. stallion, uh, just fuck boy who's trying to get with her. And, uh, you know, so like she has to deal with that. You really feel for the Terran character a lot. Yeah. And it sucks that she gets killed. So dismissively almost. Um, yeah, it's that, like, let's just get you out of the way. But that it almost pales in comparison. Really. If you think about it, she at least gets to go out like, kind of like a badass sort of, uh, Will's death was just so mean. <laughs> He, Will was, yeah, that was like, what even happened here? I don't know. But he basically gets taunted with uh, a wheelchair, you know. Uh, Which but, I thought was totally <laughs> freaky. He was like, hey, guess what? <laughs> you can't walk in real life. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the, the damn thing was like takes off and it's got, <laughs> it's got the spikes and shit all over it. And he's in. They're in the narrow hallway, and he just barely avoids missing the wheelchair, and then it turns around. But then you know, Will stands up. I mean, he he puts up a better fight, honestly, than Taryn did. You know, he 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 kind of grows some. He grows a pair, and he goes after Freddy, and he shoots the lightning bolt, and he blows up the chair. But then he makes a horrible error, and just charging at Freddy. <laughs> Why not just stay back? Just shooting yeah, this- with the lightning from afar, you know. Why run up to Freddy where he can get you with his claws? Like it's, it was a horrible error, terrible. This terrible is this error. is not a very calculated move here, Dungeon Master. No, no. But I just feel like this scene was just indicative of how nerds, like nerds, are really. There's no nerd bullying in 2020. Geek no. culture is like a very cool thing nowadays. This felt like what it was like. I mean, if you were a nerd in the 80s, you were being bullied hard. And Freddy they Krueger, had a whole series of movies about <laughs> about them getting revenge. Yeah, exactly. A very popular series, and you know he he basically just bullies a cripple. You know this this poor guy, and you know and he kills him. Just just stabs him up in the air. His will looks so pathetic and limp. 
So. Well, that was that was one of the things I after I'd, I was several movies in because <clears throat> it's like I'm not necessarily rooting for Freddy Krueger entirely, right? But at the same time, it's like there's there's times where I got it's like this guy was a child murderer, yeah, and they burned him a lot because it's like okay, if you know if you kind of put yourself in the role of the uh, the Springwood parents, it's like if this guy got off on a technicality, it's like would you just be okay with it and like. I probably would have been there with a torch myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, burn him, burn him, burn him. I was like, I might not have been the guy throwing the gas can through the window. Right. But I, you know, I'd have been there. But I'd you'd lend your support in some way. Yeah, right? I was like, I'd, you know, I was like, if you, if you sent me the Facebook request, I'd probably, you know, click on either interested or will attend. I'm grilling hot dogs over here for you guys. Yeah, it's like, I'll, you know, hey, I'll, I'll bring some of those hand warmers. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'll bring the cocoa. We'll be good. <laughs> it's got a thermos. But Just- it's, it's when I was like... You know, as the series progresses, and because that was one of the things that really, really, really had a problem with in t- the 2010 one, because they switched him back to a child molester. Yeah. And it was like, it gets super, super cringy at the end, because you're like, oh, no, there's no part of this where I can even pretend that I think that, yeah, Freddie, get him. Because like, no, you're, you're a child murderer. You're a child molester. I always thought it's it like, was implied all along that he was a child molester anyway in the in the original movies. Yeah, they especially they, like in what was the first one where you actually see Robert England as a person, you know, maybe it was five or six. Yeah, I think it's but but you get the backstory of him, uh, you know, as a you know, prior to the to the his death, and uh, he I you got strong molestation vibes big time and yeah, you're like somebody that's like, yeah, I'm just killing kids, it's like, uh, eh, were you just yeah. killing them? Were you, was that the only thing you were doing, Freddie? Because it doesn't really read that way. It doesn't. And yeah, I'm sure he, you know, yes, he is a also a child murderer, but he was doing terrible things to these kids prior to their death. And then, I guess yeah. in the 80s, like, they just didn't want to go that far into it. Yeah, that was that was a, the big, it was like they changed it to a child murderer because they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, maybe we shouldn't bring a molestation. That's enough. And in the later movies, he really kind of does become like an anti-hero in a lot of ways. Like pe- people yeah. are just cheering Freddie on, and and to 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 make that digestible in my mind anyway. Like you you've seen him recently. I, I feel like the kids got whinier and shittier. Yes, and just not really giving oh, yeah. a shit about them. So that when they do die, you don't really give a damn whatsoever. I mean, if you're just a super good person, like you know, you don't want to see anybody die. But we're watching a movie here. This is entertainment, and I'm I'm here for a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. If a kid's gonna die, let it be this shitty kid. <laughs> well, and I because I think I think that's one of the things is there. There's times where people, you know, I I really in in whatever I'm watching, I really like. I feel like I can enjoy something a lot better if I connect with any of the characters in any in a, in a meaningful way. And absolutely. I, and I think I think that's one of the. I mean, like you know, with the first one, you, you and having Nancy as somebody that you can you know kind of rally behind because she was. I mean, she was very much an updated uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. She was, yep. you know, she was the goody. You know, she was the one that was going to survive. You knew girl that next because, door being yeah. terrorized by this. You know, and ghost so I mean, you could murderer. you could you could get on board. and You're like you, you rooted for you rooted for her. You yeah. wanted Nancy to win. Yeah, and so. Because of that, it's like when you have that connection, it's like, all right, when good beats evil, you know, you you, you feel so much better about it. When you, when you get all these kids are whiny and I don't care about any of them and I know they're just here to die. 
I'm yeah. None of them just have meat, any kind of literal meat. Yeah. There's no compelling backstory. None of them can act. You just hired them all <laughs> to kill them off in interesting ways. Yeah. It's one of those. That's and I think that's one of those things. Like that's what differentiates between just here's a we threw this together in four weeks. We edited it in four weeks and we popped it out there into theaters. Right. Oh my it's gosh! Gonna make you know, some they cash. they film these so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Versus somebody that really put some time and effort into okay. Let's you know. Let's establish some characters. Let's make a let's make a movie. It's a scare. It's a horror movie, but let's yeah. make a movie that people. It's like a see. porno. It's like you can appreciate yeah. when the porno really tries to go that extra mile and put some character development in there. Yeah, gets, <laughs> there's gonna some, be some boobs, good dialogue, but you know, let's have a character. Yeah, so that you know, which was like the whole erotic thriller thing. Like we're gonna get boobs. Exactly. Hold on, just hold your horses. You're gonna get boobs. Yes, but let's have a story. Body first. heat. Body heat. <laughs> so the, the, to me, that's like the last of the of the iconic kills. I mean, Na- Nancy does get killed. Spoiler alert. Uh, she she gets put put out, um, and uh, it that felt very anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, it did. I didn't like that at all. It's like what? It just kind of happened. Just sort of happened. Uh, and and you know, like she gets tricked because of, like her dad. And I'm skipping past a one big whole plot point of the film. So Nancy's dad and uh, the the friend, the psychiatrist friend, go on a little a little uh, a little hunt to find Freddie Freddie's bones because Freddie's ghost mom shows up uh, at a in in the bell tower or whatever and lets him gives him some sort of real vague kind of like you must lay his bones to rest and I really uh, I appreciated this subplot it gave him a little something extra to chew on. Yeah, I I dug it. I I did really enjoy that junkyard scene. Like you know that that's you know like there's something about like piles of rows and rows of junk cars. It's at night. It's very scary. Anyway. Well, and I think I think that whole that extra arm of of the of the actual plot really gave um, what's his face? What's the doctor's name? Um, Neil. Um, yeah, Neil. Gave gave him a little bit more pliability in this because she was showing herself to him, and you know, because even when Nancy comes over at the at the funeral, is like, "Who are you talking to?" He's like, "Oh, I get nobody." Yeah, it's like so. It's it's. I liked that that was that was a part of it because so many of the like you have the nurse ratchet like this is just no no what what are you talking about? She was very by the book, and so yeah, she's just that, a foil. That's all she is, and. It gave it gave him because he was he was kind of, you know, he wasn't super rigid at, in comparison to Nancy, but like there was a little bit of a more professional air. Like she had clearly lived through this, mm-hmm. so she was immediately. She's able even to got attach. the gray streak to prove it. Yeah, so it's like, oh no, I I totally know what's going on here. So for for Neil, it's when I was like, okay, he's the he, you know he's the doctor, he's an academic, yeah. he's. It, it it should be harder for him to latch onto the concept that there's a dream man killing people. Yeah. But because of that extra arm of it, it also makes him kind of a secondary antagonist to Freddy slash protagonist in the film. So you got Nancy coming at it from the dream angle. Yeah, and, and, and Freddy even has to disappear from, you know, yeah. the dream warriors mid-fight to protect his sacred bones, you know? Because he he knows if you're if you're a ghost a ghost monster you know that if your bones get fucked with you you're vulnerable. 
And uh, really, really the only bit of special effects you get in the movie for 1987 is like pretty, you know, the, the marionette Freddy was pretty good. Like I thought that skeleton fight looked terrible. It was really bad. <laughs> the, the, ske- the skeleton did not have a great look to it. And it was because no. it, it was one of those things where it's like, that was another one of those points where it's like, if I, if I got to put something in, in the con column instead of a pro, <laughs> right. I'm like, okay, so he's in the dream world fighting the dream warriors right now. And he just leaves. Yeah, he just sort of to, fades away. Yeah, to go to the real world where, you know, John Saxon... To put a stop and, to this other arm that's like, fighting him. What? I mean, that doesn't <laughs> seem... What? That's he he shouldn't be uh, distracted by this part. And he shouldn't, he shouldn't be able to just say, all right, I'm going to go to the real world. I'm going to, you know... It's come not back fair, yeah. You're, you're cheating a little bit, really. Yeah, it's like, okay, these, you know... These aren't the rules, man. Like you can get yeah. people when they're asleep, but no, you can't just. These are my bones. I can be my bones anytime I want. Like, <laughs> well, no, that's, a, that's not a thing. You can't just make your bones walk around because you're Freddy Krueger. Yeah, but it, you know, I say it didn't look good, but it was a cool scene. You know, like he he hits the dock, he hits Neil up on the head a couple times with a shovel, and yes. pushes him in the hole. And then he's like, "I'm good here," and then reappears back into the uh, dream plane or whatever yeah um but yeah so we we got this one final big showdown because nancy sees the engraving of come and get him again bitch on Nia's chest which is a really cool scene very very reminiscent of uh the exorcist uh total callback to the exorcist but i enjoyed i like the way they did it you know it's kind of like stop camera tricks you know like where it's like you know like yes it's a really easy effect to pull, but looked so good. It looked really good for makeup. So poor Neil's in a coma. He's being tied up because of, you know, big boob nurse, which we didn't really talk about. But I mean, what what can you say? Neil Neil's seduced by a nurse. He there's a couple of scenes where they make eyes at each other in real life. Uh and she she ties him up, but not before taking her top off. So there you go. Yeah. Ties that's... him up with tongues. Do you get the irony there? <laughs> it was like it's a bit hand-fisted there. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't stop to go look at how old, um, what's his the kid the kid that plays him is. Yeah, but it was either. one of those. Was like, okay, what was is, this weird ass teardrop tattoo? By the way, that that was. I, I, I was like, what is that? Why? Why <laughs> they, is that? There? They paused on it to make to so yeah. they made sure you saw his tattoo. I was like, was like, is this is supposed he, to make him he, seem tougher? Is he in a gang? Because this kid doesn't strike me as like a gang. It's completely kid. pointless, and it's not paid off in any way whatsoever. No, it's like movie. what is what is this? And <laughs> it really, must be something truly, they just abandoned. Like, in the movie. When when you get to the end, and you know, he he's kind of the savior because he screams. Yeah, he breaks his silence. Um, I was and, like, okay, and by God, I mean that even even as a a little kid you're watching that you're like this isn't over because like they they start playing the like vic- victorious music they're like we yeah. did it everybody you're like why because he broke some mirrors because <laughs> you don't really believe Joey this screamed <laughs> all you do is scream it's like yeah. i bet philip's kind of pissed right now yeah absolutely it's like joey said nothing yeah. when philip was dangling you had the from ability the bell tower. to say something 
Uh, and then you have like the effects of like you know Nancy's ghost dad coming down. You know, yeah. like I'm going on to heaven. You know, like <laughs> I'm out of here now. I'm dead finally. Yeah. And she's I'm gonna go not join at your mom. all like she's just sort of accepting of this. Like she doesn't even like squirt a tear that her dad. And like, wait a minute, you're a ghost. Are you dead, dad? <laughs> I mean, not that they were on the greatest of terms anyway. Like she hasn't seen him in who knows how long. She finds him in a bar because she just knew he'd be there. <laughs> I knew my dad would be in this bar. I haven't seen him in years. What time is is it? I know where my dad is. (laughs) Um, But, you know, like, you know, and we're wrapping up the movie, basically. So um, you get. get I really wish. Sorry. I wish I wish he would have. I wish he would have gone out the same way that Nancy's mom would have. Where, like, you get a cut of (laughs) of John Saxon standing on his front porch and then like they. They violently pull a cardboard cutout of that him is through the that tiny window. Funniest shit I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> yeah that uh, that is awesome. That is classic, and I'm glad they left that in because you'd think, and as an editor, you look at that, go, oh, Jesus Christ, that does not look good. <laughs> like, do you guys want to reshoot this? Maybe I know what or we like, were going for, and I understand we didn't have much money, but can we just not show this? <laughs> just, just do we have absolutely have to do it this way because this looks horrible guys <laughs> that is clearly and, a cardboard cutout <laughs> and and wes craven didn't want it he wanted a happy ending he wanted uh, everything to go it was like all right yeah the they they beat freddie it's all good da, 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 da. and the studio bob shea he wanted yeah he wanted the twist ending and i was like okay so you well, that wanted was smart the it was a smart thing for him to do it it worked yeah it's like it, they they never they I mean they they always leave that to like oh Freddie could come back. I was like yeah it doesn't matter no. you could you could crush him six different ways you could yeah. burn his bones and it's like they can't him, be like, killed oh, he, really no he <laughs> can always, always come back. back and and I like well sometimes they'll put a real effort into killing him and you're just like in the back yeah. of your mind is like whatever they do in, next year when the new Freddie movie comes out he's gonna be back because so. it was like he's you can always bring him back i mean like even even when robert england said like all right this is it i'm hanging it up yeah it was like then he did an episode of uh the goldbergs and then he started saying well maybe i could do another one yeah like, well until that's robert my thing england with him is, is like he's so disfigured and burned he it doesn't matter how old he gets just once he puts the makeup on he's gonna look like freddie i mean as long as he doesn't like yeah. let him go let himself go really badly like get really yeah. fat as Which he, he never has. He's always been like the same size. Yeah, he could do it, and uh, he, he was very effective in Freddy versus Jason. Like I, he, he was moving around quite well. Oh, uh, that, I mean that that one was a fantastic entry into the whole franchise. I mean, not only do you get the crossover that you've always wanted, yeah, but I mean you get some really great. You know, it was you fun. Some, That's a oh, fun so movie. Fun. It's a it fun really movie. Is. They totally fucked Alien versus Predator, but. You know, Freddy versus Jason, that was fun. Yeah. Which they teased in, in New Nightmare, didn't they? No, no, no. They teased it in a Jason movie, in a Friday the yeah. 13th movie. Uh, and I remember like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how, how is this possible? This is pre-MCU, man. You know, this is yeah. worlds colliding here. Uh, well, and they, because there was a back and forth, there was a gag that they did between several of the films where Freddy's glove shows up in, uh, I think, the shed or one of the rooms in Evil Dead 2. Yes. Because Sam Raimi and Wes Craven, they were, they were buddies. Because in right. uh, 
There was some tributes they paid to one another. Yeah. Yeah. And so at one point, it was going to be Freddy versus Jason versus Versus Ash. Yeah. Which would have been really awesome. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, But I just, that that was one of the things that was nice is all three of these universes, Evil Dead, Jason, and. They can still um, do it. Bruce Campbell just did the show and it was awesome. (laughs) They totally could. I mean, time's running out, but they could still do it. I, I, I tell you, I tell you what would be a really fun thing to do would be to have like an Expendables version of horror franchises. Oh yeah, get Chucky and yes. uh, just bring them all. Yes. All I mean, bring and there's 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 some heavy connections between Nightmare on Elm Street and. But who it. would they fight? I mean, what would they be fighting? <laughs> and they, they could just be fighting Jesus. Each other. They're fighting Jesus. That's we're fighting what. Jesus. Ooh, the Avengers. That's who they could fight. Yeah, just <laughs> that get, would be amazing. Yeah. Or Batman, they, get, they uh, could fight the Justice League. I mean, they're all under they, the Warner Brothers umbrella. It could be like Anchorman two, and they just all fight each other. <laughs> you just bring them all into the movie. It's just it's one the ghost giant of Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I mean, that's really all I guess I have to say about Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, you know, it, it's it's all about the it, for me the Nightmare movies are all about the setup and the kills. Every you know, in the ending, just really doesn't even matter. You know, Kincaid like throw like stat you know shoves a pipe through Freddy. Uh, yeah, you know, like we didn't really even talk about Kincaid and like him calling out Freddy, calling him a burnt face pussy and all this hilarious shit. Yeah, uh, I mean Kincaid. I mean he he was awesome. I really enjoyed his character. You, know, you can't help but love Kincaid with that voice. And, <laughs> and then he just kind of he went out. It's such a it's such a pitiful way in four. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, how on. does he go out? I don't remember. Uh, well, he gets, he gets pulled back into the junkyard. Um, uh, when Freddie comes back to life in, uh, in four, cause it's, it's even, it's even kind of weird. Cause like he gets pulled into a nightmare and it's the same junkyard where they're digging up his bones. Uh-huh. Yeah. And his dog, Jason, um, uh, comes and literally, yeah, because it was it was kind of a joke that they had made, but this is what they ended up doing for the idea. He he pisses all over the ground. Oh, and it starts I was thinking in my mind that was part two. Is that four? That's is four. That, where that happens? Yep. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that was a weird and then, effect. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, Jason's a hellhound, and and that's that's why Fred, that's how evil Freddy is. Because then like Freddy sort of kills him in the dream, and like he kind of like they have this scene where it cuts back to him in his bed and he kind of like does this move where it looks like he falls into his bed and he's just kind of laying there and it's like so is he so is he he dead is or he like, and then he's like dead? oh okay so he, yeah he's just he's just dead now oh okay because with joey he at least drowns in his waterbed which right. of course joey has a waterbed he has a wet dream um, yeah joey's a, yeah joey's a tr- if anybody in the entire franchise is going to have a waterbed, it's Joe. <laughs> well, didn't Johnny Depp's character have a waterbed also in the first movie? Was that not he, a waterbed too? Maybe he, it wasn't. He, he just had, he had a regular bed. A regular that, bed. They had okay. the giant waterfall um, of blood. <laughs> geyser came out of blood, bed. yeah. The geyser so blood, much yeah. blood. <laughs> like, that had to be I, a I record-breaking love- amount of blood. Again, it's another one of those effects where it's like his mom walks in, opens the door, and there's a giant geyser of blood. Your son has disappeared, and they just kind of go about your business. Yeah, just another day on Elm Street. Like, what? What? 
So that that was our episode on Nightmare on Elm Street 3. We've kicked off week one of October. Week one. Yeah. And uh, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I would like it if you could just tantalize and tease the audience with what film you're going to choose for week number two. Well, I, I, I'd been, I've been toying around with a couple of ideas because um, I, uh, I, had, I had three different movies because uh, I, I already know what I'm doing for, for week four. We've already talked about that. We've talked about we'll, week four, and it's perfect. And we'll sa- we'll save that. <laughs> we'll we, save it. It's going to be good. We're not going to give you that much. Come on now. We're not going to give. No, you can't have. You can't have all that. Okay. Yeah, you can't have all all of the dessert right now. No, just, just you're gonna you have to bite. wait. A little, a little. Be taste. patient. This is this is how we get you to tune back in. <laughs> yeah. But I was I was toying around with a couple of old ones and a newer one, mm-hmm. and and I think because I I don't I don't know that I've ever really. Um, and I, I probably should have gone back and looked to see if I've ever really talked about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with my favorite Hitchcock film of all time, which is Rear Window. Oh, I'm finally gonna see this bitch. Then I guess I, yeah, one of my one of my movies that yes, you've you've talked about this film a lot. Uh, it, it it's, it's it's a classic film that a lot of movies pay tribute to, so that's why yes. you've brought it up a lot. You know, it's it's sort of Disturbia is just straight up exactly. this film, uh, and and I mean, the, 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 there was an iconic Simpsons episode that was dedicated to it, which that's was really right great. where Bart breaks his leg. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, or his and it, arm. It, I forget which one it was. Uh, I think he broke his leg. Yeah, uh, he because he did the dive off their uh, <laughs> in the pool, um, right? Into the pool and broke his leg <laughs> from um, the treehouse, I guess. <clears throat> yes, and um, the my reason because I almost I almost went with Psycho. And I didn't, because um, like eh, I I'm really glad like I'm movie. glad you chose this one. Like it's a genuine surprise for me. I don't I, know where you were going. What, and was, so many times when I would do uh, when I would do my pick for what you haven't seen that. Yeah, you would always preface it with which Jimmy Stewart movie are you picking this time? <laughs> yes. So I was like, you know the what, Man from Liberty Valance. <laughs> I I gotta go. I, I it's been so long since I've done a Jimmy Stewart movie. Yeah. It's time to bring Jimmy back. I'm excited. Now, do you know is that streaming anywhere currently? You know what? Let me let me do a quick check. Do a quick check on the usual just watch. See if that's streaming anywhere. I might have to buy that. I may have to buy that. Let's let's let people know right now where they can check this movie out. Because I, I really do want people to check this movie out and watch it with us. So this is It is streaming on the Peacock. Precock Premium. I don't have I don't that. Know. Yeah, that's that's the NBC stream. I'm like, who the yeah. fuck has that? Nobody has that. <laughs> like, who's paying for the NBC streaming service? Absolutely This is horseshit. Yeah, so um, that, that that wraps it up for this this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys are digging this this Halloween-themed string of episodes we're going to be going through. Four, four Halloween episodes. It's a spooktacular. It's a spooktacular. We're doing a spooktacular. <laughs> Exactly. I've been one of your hosts, Ron Avis. And I've been your other host, Adam Peterson. We'll see you next time. <laughs>